What's up, you guys, and welcome back to the Down in the Dirt podcast, where we are getting dirty talking baseball, and I am your host, Carson Lee. Thank you guys again for joining me on episode number 14 of the podcast. On today's show, it's going to be part two of my conversation with Michael Richards of Elite Athletic Performance, LLC. If you have yet to do so, be sure that you listen to part one which aired last week before listening to this episode. I had a great conversation with Michael, talking about how to properly strength train, advice when creating your own program, uh, the evolution of weighted ball training, and how that's correlated to the major leagues. And then we, as always, did the quick fire round and just had a little fun uh, asking Michael some questions. (laughs) But I hope this episode gives you guys better insight on what it takes to be an athlete at any level, and just the fact that you got to prioritize getting in the gym and the importance of getting in the gym and being strong and uh, just eating right and being able to take care of your body. As always, though, I appreciate you guys for listening to the show. So while you're here, it'd be greatly appreciated if you could rate and review the show on whatever listening platform you're on. Remember, we are now on five streaming platforms uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, YouTube, and SoundCloud. You doing this helps the show grow. It also helps attract sponsors to the show. People see these reviews, they read these reviews, and I, these have an impact on whether they decide to listen to the show or not. If you leave me a comment with who you think is going to win the World Series this year, Along with the review of your podcast, I will be picking one lucky winner in the next coming weeks to win something from me. So be sure to do that. I'm looking out for those reviews, and I appreciate everyone that takes the time to leave me a review. It helps me out, and it helps the show out. Be sure to also tag me on social media whenever you're listening to the episode, and share the podcast with your friends if you can. This will allow the podcast to continue to grow and allow more kids access to the information and knowledge I'm trying to provide to help them maximize their careers. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that whenever a new episode releases, you get the notification knowing that it's it's up. I have gotten messages from people that they didn't even know I had a podcast. Um, Either they're not seeing my posts, they're not seeing them on Instagram, or they're not subscribed so they don't see uh, the notification pop up that a new episode comes up. So, if you want to stay on track and, and get the episodes right when they release, make sure that you uh, have your notifications on on whatever listening platform you use. If you aren't following me on Instagram, be sure to follow me at, at CarsonLee5 so you can always get updates on the show and feel free to send in a question that you want answered. But now, on to the show. Episode number 14 Part 2 of my conversation with Michael Richards of Elite Athletic Performance, LLC. I hope you guys enjoy. And so I think, I think this is a good place to segue, actually, because uh, I wanted to ask you about the, the weighted ball training, uh, you know, and how that kind of, well, when you first saw that come onto the scene and then how that evolution has caused uh, the velo jump for pitchers and really just how it all you know, with the strength training and the, the weighted balls, how that's all correlated together, not only to create just the velo jump, but then just the, the freak athletes that we're seeing in the major leagues um, here within the last, you know, five to ten years. Yeah, it's, 
of course, it's funny to me because I guess I'm the only person in the world that <laughs> it never has not made sense to me. You know, I remember putting BBs in a tennis ball and duct taping it when I was 15 years old and throwing that around. Now, I wasn't throwing running guns with them, but, you know, uh, I just, it, it never didn't make sense to me, you know, because I knew and I've known for a long time if I want to make my bench press go up, I can't just do push-ups and I can't just bench press 135 for as many reps as possible. I have to put more weight on the bar. And so I was like, well, yeah, I mean, obviously you can't change the weight of the ball we're playing with, but um, although I do feel like if we did a seven-ounce ball, it would be safer for their arms, but it would really, really hurt when you get hit with it. So, uh, you know, and probably break more bones. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I've, it's, it's just always made sense to me. So I was, I was actually kind of blown away with all of the pushback on it, you know, and, and really it's, you know, I think I've, I've said it many times, and I'm, I'm notorious for making fun of baseball. I love baseball, but, I mean, baseball is kind of stupid. You know, like, it it's moves at, you know, the speed of smell when it when it is in, in its evolution. You know, like, we have – it just seems like some people just want to stay Neanderthals, you know. And so, like, I was really shocked when there was, like, all this pushback about weighted baseballs. You know, I'm like, like what, when you threw a rock as a kid, did you – weigh it to make sure it weighed five ounces you know like exactly you not, you're just you picking them throw, up and chunking them do you not throw a football like what are you serious you know like i was amazed at at all of the pushback on it and uh you know so uh <clears throat> that that was kind of a you know i there was no adjustment for me it was like it was i was all on board the very minute i saw uh i actually started you know, I was throwing around like weighted baseballs and, you know, the actual baseball looking things, you know, I think I had like a 10 and a 12 and I would have our kids play catch with them, you know, where my guys play catch with them. And, uh, then, you know, I actually started messing around cause I was doing, I was trying to figure out how to get more reps quickly. And I had a, like a bed mattress basically. And I found these tap balls or actually it was the hitting what looks like a plyo ball to me but it's the hitting ones, you know, those hit, I can't remember what they're called. They're like yellow. And you yeah. Yeah. The yellow academy. ones. Yeah. 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 And, and I was actually trying to use those. And the only reason I wanted to use them, it wasn't even the weight of them. It was the fact that I, our pitchers could get reps quickly and we could change the drills and, uh, you know, we could be like, okay, if I saw an issue with his mechanics, I could say, okay, all right, let's do this drill and basically make up a drill right there to, that would help to clean up that mechanical issue he had. And then I started kind of tinkering with that. And then I ran across a podcast with Kyle Bodie. And I was like, I mean, you talk about like the ultimate, you know, like epiphany, you know, it was just like, oh my gosh, you know. And so I ordered a set of balls from them like that day. And like two days later, I ordered Hacking the Kinetic Chain. And, you know, it was in, and like, you know, a, 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 even though my wife was threatening to kill me by this time, I, <laughs> I saved up everything I had and I ordered a radar gun. And, you know, like, quote, the rest is history, you know, but like, um, and basically from there, I've had the program in my mind and I've just been evolving and trying to get into a facility where I could implement it all, you know, and that's, uh, that's actually a little side note there for anybody that's going to go into coaching when they get done playing, there's always going to be a Grand Canyon side or most of the time a Grand Canyon between what you know and what you can implement. And so don't beat yourself up over that because you're just trying to do the best you can with what you got. 
But anyways, uh, so I would, you know, I've been trying to get in each place I've gone, I've been able to implement just a little bit more and a little bit more. Uh, so, but as far as the way that it has, it has impacted the way the game is played and, and these monsters that are throwing, you know, uh, throwing all this, you know, throwing a hundred miles an hour and all that stuff. I, honestly, it's, it's, yes, it has to do with the weighted balls, but it also has to do with the fact that the weighted balls have led to people understanding that being more physically fit and being a strong, heavy athlete is going to help you do more damage, whether you're throwing it or hitting it. You know, like I, it's, I think it's Ben Brewster. He posts all the time, maybe, and it's Dr. Heenan as well that like the average pitcher that throws over 95 or 90 or something like that is like, there's like, God knows how many of them. And there's, you know, like 80% of them or 85% of them are over 200 pounds. I, yeah. You know, like that yeah. would be unheard of, you know, 30 years ago, you wouldn't have that many pitchers that weighed over 200 pounds. I don't think. And, uh, you know, like it's just very clear and apparent that, you know, not fat, but, you know, the heavier you are with muscle mass and, you know, things like that. I have one kid that he's a pitcher at Akron, uh, D1 school up in Ohio. He he has like a little, trust me, he's not fat at all. You can still kind of see his abs, but he calls it his velo pouch. <laughs> <laughs> and he was telling me this summer, he was like, you know what they call that? He had his shirt off working out. He's like, they call that a velo pouch. <laughs> and I was like, man, I can't argue because he throws gas. So uh, I was like, I can't argue with that. But um, so, you know, like it, it's almost like it's been reciprocal of each other. They've, you know, you, you've got guys that, I think when these when the weighted balls came out, and, you know, people started, especially with hacking the kinetic chain, you know, people started realizing that yeah, you can throw a weighted ball and you can you can do a little bit, you know, you can pick up some below with that. But if you don't make your body strong from toes up, then you know, it's not gonna you're not gonna get as much benefit out of it as you would think, you know. And uh, the guys in the business and the in the industry understand that. Parents of athletes don't quite understand it yet, but on the whole some of them do but um you know you have to explain that to them a little bit but you know like i really feel like it's it has to do with with uh you know like almost a side good unintended consequence that the, when the weighted balls came around it, it has led to people instinctively almost you know getting in the gym and and training their entire body uh you know and getting stronger all over to realize that you know like and it's led to this just explosion of velocity you know in the big leagues and in college ranks and all that you know like we've got dude i could count within like and i mean i'm in central arkansas it's not like it's hugely populated i could like i can think of well over 10 guys that throw 90 plus in the local high schools around here yeah and like easily you know and like i could they come in my gym and that's that's not counting the ones that don't you know so like you know there's one kid that doesn't even want to pitch that works out with us that throws like you know, he sits like 88 and touches 91 off the mound. And he just wants to hit. He's not even a pitcher, <laughs> you know, like, but he participates in our, in our velocity program. Yeah. Know? And he hits bombs too, you know, like he's, he's not like, he's not like he's, you know, fighting what he is. I mean, this kid's a hitter, you know, but he can chunk it too. And, um, you know, it's just like, it's just it's funny how that, you know, like they're doing things now that, you know, you just, it was unheard of. And I mean, this guy's at like a, a little bitty high school. It's not even like, you know, it's not even like a, it's not like he's just like this superstar around here. You know, it's just, it's just run of the mill, just another guy throwing 90. You 
Yeah, which it, which um, is crazy because it seems like they're popping insane. up everywhere. Yes, it is. I mean, it's just it's insane. You know, like uh, there are D one commits at every high. We have five high schools in this county, and I think there are there at four of the five. There's a D one commit. No, three of the five. There's a D one commit, and there's one that I, I'm positive is going to be before too long at one of them. So yeah, uh, you know. It's just it's it's insane because this like I said this isn't Dallas this is Central Arkansas you know like there's it's not populated like that you know so for that those type of numbers to happen that's a pretty big deal you know? which is which is awesome because it's just it's just helping the game continue to grow mm-hmm. uh, yes. you know I I know for like me personally I didn't see the the weighted ball stuff really come onto the scene or really realize it until. Uh, back when Trevor Bauer was with the Diamondbacks and he was doing all that crazy stuff, you know, to warm up before a game, you know, long, long tossing, foul pole to foul pole, the crazy, freaking love him. crazy ba- band stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at that time, I think I was probably maybe about a senior in high school or a freshman in college. And uh, I know I mentioned, to, you, you mentioned this to you yesterday, but I worked out with Heidi Johnson here in uh, Houston at the metal chapter. And I worked out with them all the way from my uh, sophomore year of high school till really until last year. And the only reason last year was just because I thought I was going to Australia. Um, But long story short, you know, I mean, my freshman year when I got back, she started implementing weighted ball programs into our stuff. And, you know, I really didn't understand it at the time i thought it was more just kind of part of our warm-up part of our throwing routine our arm care because we would all long toss and throw you know before we do any kind of lifting or get into our, our programs for the day and uh you know each year i came back it just it kept evolving kept evolving yep. and she had more information um to yep. go with it you know the program evolved we started getting the wrist weights um the body blades you know all that kind of stuff until you know last year i mean it was incredible how much stuff we were doing um, to go along with yep. those weighted ball programs. And really my arm n- probably has never felt better than it had uh, from doing that. That That is the piece right there. This, and it, while you were saying that, it made two or three things pop into my head that I don't think people that don't that, that aren't quite on board with, with weighted balls, I don't think they quite understand. The, first off, when you have somebody that knows what they're doing and is doing it right, you will spend just as much time warming up and cooling down as you will throwing. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And and that is the big piece. And there's I don't I don't mind saying it because honestly it pisses me off. And I won't say their name, but there's a facility in town here, and the guy's just he's just doing it wrong. He's doing everything wrong. He's got a you know he claims to have a development program and like he's got some tap balls laying on the floor. It's written out on a whiteboard, and you walk in there, you pick up the balls, you throw them, and then you leave. And that's bull crap, and that's going to get kids hurt. And it really, really angers me, you know, because it's not right. And those, just like police officers, just like everything else, they're 50 out of 50, you know, after out of 10, 50, 100 of them, there's one bad apple and like a million good ones. And that is the one that everybody's going to blame. Exactly. You know, that's the ones that's going to get weighted balls a bad name when he has no idea what he's doing, you know. And so, um, you know, that's the that's the thing that I just, you know, I'm always kind of telling guys, like, you know, if you're going to walk in here and you're just going to think you're going to pick the ball up and, and throw it hard, drop the mic and leave, just get out. Because you're what you're going to do is you're going to get yourself hurt and you're going to make me wear that injury. And it's going to keep me up at night. And you don't understand how that's going to affect my life. And I'm not going to let you do that to me because I wear stuff. You know, I can't just 
write stuff off like y'all can. Um, the other thing that I don't think people quite understand about weighted baseballs, it's, it's A, I, we use them because you can't get away with a poor pattern with a heavy ball. You know, like you can't, we, you can get away with a poor arm pattern with a light ball. Yeah. You, you can get away with that. You see it all the time. You can't get away with it with a two-pound ball. Not many times, you know. So your arm, it's like the ball. I am just not a very big believer at all in verbal cues. I don't really like lessons that much. Um, certain areas, it's fine. But I'm just not a big, you know, my place will never be a, quote, lessons place, you know. Because um, I'm just, I don't like verbal cues, especially for younger kids. But really for anybody, I, I prefer, you know, and the better the athlete is, you can make them do all kinds of really good-looking stuff in that lesson, but will it stick when they get to the game? And I just don't feel like it does. And so, you know, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we got this going. Yeah, you got that going inside of that lesson. What's going to happen when he gets on the mound or in the plate, uh, at the plate when he gets in a game? You know, is that what you told him going to stick, you know? Uh, and I've seen some guys that are really good at it, and, you know, that's, that's fine. I have a softball hitting instructor that does a great job with it and a hitting instructor, but I, I always kind of – throw that out there that you know this is what i like to use instead of lessons is to create situations where our pitchers and our throwers can basically let the ball tell their arm the best path uh, if that makes sense yeah and so we'll use that in a low intensity situation and just you know a the ball tells the arm where to go b they get quick reps without having to worry about really hitting a target which you know the, the less you can make your brain uh, multitask when you're trying to learn something the better off you'll be so you're not trying to hit a target that's 60 feet away and you you, the, you know your body as soon as you perform something you've got to create a feel a new feel you know and so the quicker the rep the quicker you can create that feel if you have to sit there and wait on the ball to be tossed back and oh the catcher over through you i gotta go get that <laughs> you're losing you're losing that of that feel you know your brain just it's it's there for a minute when it's a new feel You'll remember it, but like every second that ticks off is just a little bit less of retention you're going to have for that for that new feel. And so with the with the plyo balls, that's the thing I love about them the most. You get quick reps, and you don't have to talk with anybody else. You can sit there, and I love it when the guys just kind of disappear in the corner, so to speak, and they're over there just figuring stuff out with low intensity work. You know, those are like that's what really makes me feel like I'm on the right path because. You know, they're not having, they don't have to have somebody sitting there going, nope, nope, get your arm here or get this or that. You know, like that's not how this works. You know, you get better when you're sitting over there feeling stuff out and trying to figure it out, you know. Um, and so that that is one of the things that I don't think people quite understand about the weighted ball use because they only see on Instagram and stuff where you're throwing the living crap out of them. They don't see the low intensity stuff. They don't see the weight, the, the wrist weights. They don't see all of that. You know, and then the other part that, you know, it, that I, really puts me on board with them is the, uh, just call it what it is, you know, it's, it's almost like it's trial by fire. Because if you can't, you know, I always cringe when I hear people, like, they don't want your kid, to, they don't want their kid to throw hard if it's not in a game. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, how yeah. is that going to work, dude? Yeah. Like, we, we can't, it's a microcosm for, like, not to go old man or anything, but, like, you know, we, we try to remove stress from our kids' lives, and then we don't understand when the kid hits some stress that we can't control, we don't understand when they have a meltdown. Like, dude, if you don't put yourself under stress, 
and grow from it, then you're going to be a wreck when you get stressed. And it's the same thing with an arm. You know, like if I got, if I put somebody on our Instagram page of a kid throwing hard to a radar gun, grandma and uncle Ned and all of them are going to lose it about him throwing his arm out, quote unquote. But they just don't understand then, well, why is his arm hurting when he tried to throw that guy out from center field? You know, it's like it magically is not supposed to hurt because it happened in a game. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I always kind of laugh at that, but it really does irritate me, you know, because I'm like, yeah, yeah, let me worry about that, Grandma. And I do understand your baby does. I know you don't want him getting hurt, but (laughs) I promise you this is what he needs and it will make it better, you know. So, um, but that is the thing. It's almost like a, a way to provide a gentle stretch. You know, with the low intensity, you get a little bit of an ER stretch. And, and, you know, like we've said before, you know, flexibility without the stability to control it is useless. So if I grab a guy's arm and stretch him into external rotation, if I don't have him, you know, fight against me or something like that, and I create more external rotation, all I did was create range of motion that he has absolutely no strength in. Well, that will get him hurt, you know, if he can't control it. Yeah. But if you're, but if you're throwing a weighted ball, just by the nature of what you're doing, you can't throw that thing without having muscular your musculars, uh, like the, the muscles around your posterior shoulder and anterior, all of that are all working together to keep your bones congruent there. You're building strength and the range of motion needed in a gentle, you know, in a, it's not like anybody's cranking your arm back into excessive, you know, stretching or anything like that. So that's another reason that I'm, I, we use them a lot. We use them every day. Know, just to just to build arm durability and and things and arm patterning and all of that stuff. And and I'm glad you touched on that there at the end because I was actually going to ask you about that. Uh, but just you know how because you're always going to have those parents that don't understand it and they're going to be worried about you know Johnny's UCL and and you know just trying to baby him, which you know and. Like you said, you post a guy throwing cheese on Instagram. They also don't see, though, that when you're doing that, the amount of reps you're doing are very small. It's not like you're going up there throwing 90 pitches and throwing 90 right. at, at max effort. You know, you're doing, you know, six right. to ten throws at most. But, you know, and then like we touched on yesterday, you know, with the UCL injuries, that, that people don't understand that there's more that goes into it than just uh, that, that, that UCL. It's that stability and having that overall body strength. And like you touched on yesterday, which I thought was a great point because I never really thought about it, but that there was, uh, there could be other factors that go into um, a UCL tearing that you may not even know about. And oh gosh, yeah. instead of just that, just blaming it on the weighted balls, you know, that may, you know, maybe you didn't do your warm up or maybe you didn't do your cool down or, uh, you know, maybe you're not going 110% in the weight room and your strength is lacking and then therefore your body doesn't, isn't able to keep up with the weighted balls. Um, so I'm yes, glad you touched that, on uh, that. I can't, I can't really deal with the, you know, and I, I, like I said, I touched on this yesterday, but like, you know, there's, there's one particular person that kind of fear mongers people, um, with, I was, I was okay with it until I saw his sponsored ads on like Instagram and Facebook literally with a, and it had a picture of a person in surgery and you can see the arm sticking out and they were operating on it. And it literally said the science is out. Uh, weighted balls cause injury and he was citing in a study made by asmi and it there is one sentence in there i can't remember the exact sentence but it basically says it may be uh may cause injury or something like that it also says that it's there were basically they're pretty sure it increases performance 
And I read that study and I was like, wow, this is completely useless because, and I, and I mean, ASMI does great work, but they didn't, they didn't tell you what the warm up was. They didn't tell you if the kid lifts. They didn't tell you if he, if he did any cool down. For all I know, he picked up that six ounce ball, the nine ounce or 11 ounce ball. He let it freaking rip and he walked out and you can't do that ever. Like it just not one single time can that happen, you know? So, uh, like if I don't know what their warm up and cool down protocol is, you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's, there's no sense in even messing with it because they're not going to last long, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely point that out anytime I get a chance, you know, like if you, you know, if you're not wanting to do the work, it, it's almost like it kind of, uh, weeds out the ones that wouldn't make it you know, wouldn't gain, make any gains anyways because the warm-up and the cool-down are boring. It's the exact same thing every single day. Exactly. And, and if you aren't willing to do that, you're not going to make the gains that you think you need to make anyways because you, you don't get it and you're weak-minded and, you know, you need to find something else to do. Exactly. Right. You know, I, I want to make the comment. I have two more questions for you, but I want to make the comment uh, that, I did, that I made yesterday, but just about that. You know, I, I'm a firm believer and, and I've really developed my philosophy around this, but that I'm a firm believer that the success that you're going to have come come season, uh, it all starts the six months, the eight months, the year prior to that and the training that you put in. I, I, I'm a believer that your preparation that, I, that I'm going through right now, uh, you know, it, with my strength training, my, my uh, getting my, my reps in as far as in the cage, you know, on the field with ground balls, um, you know, any running, any stretching, all of that stuff, all that preparation that I'm doing now is what is going to lead to me having success on the field. Because come yep. time to, to perform on the field, then it's just allowing your natural ability to take over and to play and do what you know you know how to do. Just be natural and, uh, you know, take the complete thinking out of it. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm that's my big philosophy that I try to, uh, preach on guys and I've tried to preach on this podcast but that you know your preparation starts now if you want to have success come May June July and you want to you know get a college scholarship you want to get drafted or whatever that that is happening now in the weight room and in the, the work yes. you put in and yeah. a lot of guys don't don't see it that way they think that they can just go through the motions and then okay now I'm stepping on the field now I turn it on when yeah. your body's not going to be prepared it, do, it doesn't work that way there, there's a guy, the strength coach at um, TCU is, is a friend, acquaintance of mine, uh, named uh, Zach Daycamp, and I was at a clinic that he spoke at a couple of years ago, and, and he asked the question, if you uh, could have a million dollars today or one penny that doubled in value every day for the next month, which one would you take? And I was sitting there with a buddy of mine, he's actually, uh, he actually, we have a place like mine in Alito, Texas. And uh, he was like, we looked at each other, and I was like, we're both doing the math in our head, you know. And I was like, I can tell where he's going with this. But, man, really? Would that be over a million dollars? And it turns out it's like $5 million yeah. if, uh, if you take that penny. But his point was you can't, like, you, it's compounding interest. And so you've, it's, it's every day you have to make that. You have to go to the weight room. You have to do your thing to make that penny double. And so, you know, you it, over time, those little bitty deposits are what you get your $5 million from. You know, uh, that's where, that was the point of it. And that really resonated with me. Like, you know, it's not, you can't go out and crush yourself once a week 
and get the gains that you can make by just going and stimulate, you know, spending, you know, an hour, 45 minutes, if you really bust your butt, you can get that done in three or four times a week or whatever. And, uh, you know, then you've got, you really are going to compound that. If you do that over, you know, uh, over a, a six month time, that's where your gains come from, you know, exactly. is, 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 is just, you know, you can't, it's not that each, there's not one workout that's going to do it for you, but you, you got to be there every day to get that little bit of interest, you know, every single day. And then that's where it comes from. And that's really hard, especially for kids to get their mind wrapped around, you know, but that's, that's what it is. There just isn't one way, you know, and I, I used the line yesterday and I really love this because it just really resonates with me. But Dr. Kelly Starrett, the guy that wrote the book, uh, uh, becoming a supple leopard which you can't let that book the name of the book fool you that book will change your life that is it's mobilities and how to take care of your body you know his point is to move like a leopard you know but it actually sounds like an aerobics type you know some kind of book about you know being uh, i don't know a cougar or something like that but <laughs> it's uh it is a very very useful book and short of like the holy bible that book has changed my life more than any other that i can think of because it's like it's color-coded by body part. You can. It's just a really great book. The dude is super sharp. He has mobility watch on Instagram. But his his line was, he asked people all the time, asking, hey, like, how do I get strong? How do I get this big squat? You know, I really want to be strong. I want to this. And he's like, hey, it's simple. Just squat heavy twice a week for the next decade, and then you'll figure it out. <laughs> and I'm like, that's perfect. You know I mean? <laughs> He's right. There's nothing sexy about it. You've just got to do it every day. Yeah, you, you just know? got to show that's, up and do the work. It. You've just got to show up and do the work. There is nothing that's going to make it happen faster. You're not going to really speed that process up. You've just got to do it and not miss days, you know. And that's uh, that's the hard part for some people, you know. It's just they want that extra. They just they want it now, you know. And, and just it, it will not it will not come off of it like that. So it just doesn't work like that. That's it. That's exactly. It. I want to take a quick break in the podcast to tell you guys about my new athletic brand, 1% Athletics. 1% Athletics is a mindset about getting 1% better every single day so that you can grow as a person and to bring you closer to achieving your goals. This brand is about creating a culture of motivated people who are about adopting the lifestyle to get 1% better. 1% Athletics will be launching next week, September 14th, And with every purchase of the original 1% Athletic Performance Tee, you will receive a free pop socket. Get 1% better every single day. And, uh, you know, I want you to go ahead for me and see if you can crush uh, the idea of of baseball players not lifting weights. Because, you know, like I told you yesterday, uh, when I bat boyed for the Astros in 2014, you know, my whole life I've, I've grown up and... Everyone said, you know, you don't need a big upper body. You don't need big shoulders. Uh, you just need to do bands and uh, crush leg day. And, you know, like we talked about yesterday, for me, my international chest day was actually international leg day. Uh, you know, my, yeah, sis- my sister crazy. gives me crap about my butt being so big. And she's like, well, how do you, how do you have such a big butt? And I'm like, because I do legs like every other day. That's why. Uh, yeah. But, you know, and, and I went and bat boyed and I'm on the visiting side for the Astros and, and I'm in the locker room with these guys, and they have their shirts off. And, you know, I'm, I'm standing next to them. And I still remember one of them specifically, Yoenis Cespedes. And uh, 
takes his shirt off, and I'm standing next to him. And I mean, he I'm 5'10", and he's shorter than me. And yeah. this dude it looks just like a freaking door. Just he's he's wide and he's thick. His chest is chiseled. His like shoulders are chiseled. Yeah. yeah, just absolutely massive. And yeah. it changed my whole perspective that okay, if these guys are performing at the highest level every night at the in the major yeah. leagues, and their chest and their shoulders are that big, they're obviously doing something right. So I need to start training like a, a major leaguer the same way and start building up my upper body strength as well. Um, so can you go ahead and, and just crush that belief about baseball players not needing to lift weights, but then also uh, can you touch on how young you can be uh, before you start lifting weights, but then also just really just getting in a workout program to start building that foundation? Yeah. Well, first off, I just want to point out that, you know, our T-shirt for our gym it doesn't say um, do bands and you know hit uh, line drives. It says <laughs> it says get jacked, throw gas, hit dingers, and that is you know that's the order of things. Like you can't be kind of jacked. You know it doesn't say get kind of jacked and do bands and bunt. You know it it says get jacked, throw gas, hit dingers, and that's basically the order of it. You know uh, you can't do things like every sport, every movement that we make, but especially in sports, it's just a battle against inertia and gravity or whatever other nerdy thing you want to talk about it. You know, uh, the reason that football has never, nobody has ever argued that football players need to be in the weight room because sensationalism, our eyeballs see two human beings, gladiators banging into each other. So clearly they need to be strong all over, you know, from the, their hairlines or their toes, and nobody's ever argued with that. Well, since there aren't two people colliding unless something goes wrong in baseball, you know, and then, you know, because of the rotational aspect of it and things like that between throwing and your torso and all that, we just kind of got into this belief that uh, guys could get tight because, you know, for the longest time, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, we saw bodybuilders, and that was really the only people we saw that had barbells in their hands. So basically, your normal, average adult, you know, they, when they think of a barbell, they either think of a bodybuilder that looks like he can't wipe his own butt or scratch the back of his head, or they think about like your, your super just dumb power lifter, dumb strong power lifter, not dumb power lifter, but dumb <laughs> strong power lifter that's like busting blood vessels as he squats, you know, a thousand pounds. Yeah. And those are the two images they have in their head when they think about barbell training. What they don't realize is the barbell is how you make people athletes. You know, like I can make you an athlete or more athletic with a barbell. You know, like there you can't replace a barbell. The more we try to replace it, the more we prove how important it is, you know, with all these stupid contraptions that people come up with. Um, they, It's just, you know, you, you're not going to get away from it. But I do understand, you know, that people were worried about, you know, athletes getting tight. I mean, you know, you look at the, like a bodybuilder, it doesn't look like they could throw a ball, you know. Uh, it doesn't look like they could, you know, uh, or, or, or swing, you know, without being stiff and, you know, the best guys to hit the ball, didn't, they didn't look stiff when they hit. So, obviously, they didn't want, you didn't want your players looking like that. Well, what most people don't understand is it takes a lot of time, a lot of food, and a lot of drugs, usually, to make a person look like that, you know. 
you can't and like the CrossFit athletes. Well, those people work out like seven times a day, and they and I'm not joking. I mean, they do, and so they basically will do a wad or a workout. And because honestly, as a general fitness person, I mean, I'm not an athlete anymore. CrossFit uh, actually intrigues me. I, I actually kind of like. I don't poo poo it like most people. I don't think it's a great. It's not a good idea for athletes, but I love it for me personally, and I'm always interested in the games. But like. Those people, literally, their lives, they will go in, they will work out, then they have some type of, of therapist to do some soft tissue work, they'll recover, and then they'll get right back up and go work out again. And then they'll eat, and they'll work out, they'll recover, they'll eat, they'll work out, and recover. And they do that at least five, six times a day. And so, and that's what their day looks like. Well, you know, yeah, they look muscular and kind of tight, and they don't look like they can throw or hit and all that. But, I mean, like, how many baseball players are spending that kind of time in the way, like, they're not, you know, like, it's, they're just, that's not happening. So, you know, as far as make you know, people concerned about baseball players getting tight from lifting, it's just not going to happen. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, the, the people, the, the kids that are playing baseball are skinny and weak and for the most part. And, you know, they really, really could use some tightness in their lives a lot of times, you know, some stiffness because they're, they're, you know, they're, 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 like I said, they're weak. They, they need a little bit of stiffness. You know, stiffness is, is strength in some cases. But, um, but I always use the example when I'm explaining to somebody how important strength is, just general strength, body strength. You know, um, the easiest example just to make people kind of see it, an analogy is if you take a kid or a, anybody, like if you imagine the swing, you know, a bat being swung, the athlete's hitting the ball. If you slow that movement down right there, like right at the point of contact between the bat and the ball, when that ball hits the bat, there is basically like a, a fraction of a nanosecond there that like there is basically like a lightning bolt of energy shooting through that bat and going into the body. And it is essentially looking for weak links. Exactly. And every weak link it finds, that is a little bit of power that gets dumped that doesn't send the ball the other way which is obviously what you want as a hitter. And so, you know, and the best example of it, all you got to do is go watch that, like a league where the it's the first year that kids are hitting off coach pitch. The little bitty kid, when he hits the ball, you can see it. You can watch it happen. It almost looks like the ball overtakes the bat just for a little, just a little bit. You'll see it, you know. And then you see that kid that looks like he's a grown man already, that he's only like seven, but he's already like pushing 200 and, you know, like, he, he's stronger. He goes up there, and it sounds like the ball explodes when he hits it compared to the the younger, the little kid, you know, where the ball kind of overtook the bat. Like, that is that is a demonstration of exactly what I'm talking about right there, you know. Um, and so, uh, obviously, it doesn't happen to where you can see it with the naked eye, but even as you get older and the ball starts moving faster, and you know, from the pitcher and all that, um, we clean up those weak links with the weight room. You know, like with deadlifts and squats and, you know, an upper body work. And, and uh, you know, so you have to have you have to have general strength all the way down to your toes because that's what's in contact with the ground, you know, to be able to counteract that and send the ball the other way and do damage as a hitter. Uh, it's exact same thing when you're throwing. It's just harder to imagine, you know, um, but it's at release point. You know, the, the more weak links you have in your body when you begin your movement towards the plate, um, you know, those movements are dumping. It's a velo dump. You know, it's a, it's a velocity dump. So the more weak links you have in your body, the less umps you're able to put behind the ball, basically. And so, um, 
you, we clean that up, like I said, with the weight room. Now, the ones that that really annoy me are the are, are the one like the the uh, lower body work, heavy, heavy, heavy work with your lower body, and then like nothing for your upper body. You know, <laughs> uh, that is always amazed me because you know if the, if you have a coach or somebody who is planning to do that, that they'll tell you, well, you know you're driving with your lower body and you create all your power with your lower body. And, you know, I still feel like there's more to learn about that. We'll put it that way. And so, you know, it's not all in your back leg. Some people it is, but you know, not everybody. But, uh, if that is the case, if you create most of your power, which a lot of big leaguers I've, I've read about guys that can throw like 60, 65% of their max below when they're on their knees. So obviously there's more to the equation than we think, but, regardless that's another time but you know if you are training your lower body and making it as strong as possible because quote it's the generator it's what creates all this power well the ball is still thrown from your fingertips which is on the upper part of your body and so you are you need to be able to transfer power from your lower body up through your fingertips where the ball comes out if you're throwing it or your fingertips where the bat is in your hand and so what is going to happen is you know, I've used the example before, like if, if your legs are the generator, you could have a generator big enough to power Las Vegas. But if you don't have the wires that are big enough to carry that power to all the light bulbs, your generator is useless. Yeah. And so and your upper body, unfortunately, has to act as the wires between the generator and the light bulbs, you know. And so if you don't have a strong upper body that is equally as strong as your lower body, you're dumping all kinds of power, just like we we're talking about the weak links, you know. And you can look at it like that too. When you have, when the ball hits the bat, you know, uh, it's that weak link right there in your chest and your upper body, and all that you created by not training your upper body, it's all getting exposed every single time, you know. So uh, from and that's from a performance standpoint. That's not even looking at injuries, you know, the potential injuries of your body not being strong enough to keep your joints congruent, you know. So. Um, there's just, there's a lot there that to unpack, but that's, that's, you know, like you can't, you're not going to get away, especially in this day and age, you're not going to get away with, with not strength training because your competition is. And, um, you know, we figured it out that, that you can't get away with it. And, you know, so if you, if you, well, I'll put it this way, if you think you can, you know, if you think you're that good, then go ahead and and be my guest. But I I really don't think it's going to let, it's not going to work that well for you. So. And then, uh, I mean, as far as kids starting to work out, I mean, can you, because, you know, like we talked about yesterday, it's all just about creating that foundation um, Mm -hmm. for them to start building that strength and and creating creating the range of motion. Uh, I think that was the big, big word that we used uh, was Mm -hmm. was range of motion. Yeah, and being able to control that range of motion, that's the thing. You know, like, it's, it's kind of sad to me because everybody's okay with kids going out and doing all kinds of you know skills and drills that's that that term probably annoys me more than any other term on earth skills and drills um you know like people want skills and drills because it's safe it it feels safe you know they want their kids to do stuff that looks like baseball they don't want their kids to train you know like there is actually a guy i wish i could remember his name but um he basically you know talks about how it's absolutely just it's preposterous that we are okay with our kids like jumping out of trees and you know basically running and jumping and 
and all this other stuff. But then we freak out when we want to put a, a, you know, like a barbell in their hand because, you know, there's like four times, five times the, the force of your body weight when you hit the ground. If you jump off of something, it's like four feet off the ground. Yeah. So, and kids, like the whole point in all of this, really, when you boil it down to like it's bare nuts and bolts, you know, in God's grand design with our bodies, he basically meant for our muscles to be movable casts, like a cast system for our bones, you know, and everybody just skips right over that and goes to performance, you know, and not thinking about the fact that, you know, yes, he, he of course, he, he didn't care if we were able to throw a baseball 100 miles an hour, but, you know, uh, that he was really more thinking about us being able to throw a spear or something, I guess, but, you know, like, he, he gave us the, the ability to throw and hunt and things like that, and, you know, but what people are kind of skipping over is, you know, kids aren't strong enough to control those everyday, quote-unquote, kids being kids movements. You know, like, they're not really strong enough to keep those things in place when you start putting more and more of the boxes get higher, the, you know, the they play too many games and all that stuff. The whole point of this is to be able to keep their joints, like, congruent. You know, that's the word that I always use, congruent. You know, like, we want to keep their joints in place. Um, so, and that's, that is literally what the weight room does for you. You know, before we ever worry about performance training, we are training to keep your joints in line, you know, to where there's not an injury, you know, to where there's less potential for injury. So, um, so to put a kid, you know, to, to be worried about a kid, you know, going in and picking up a hex bar and farmer walking with it or something like that, you know, like is, is absolutely insane, you know, like to, to be okay with him doing, you know, normal things like, like I said, jumping off trees, even jumping boxes and speed and agility ladders and all this fast moving stuff when he's not able to, he or she is not able to control their bones and joints, you know, is, is, is pretty crazy. But I mean, it's, it happens every day. Uh, you know, so it, you've got, a, you know, when kids are growing up or, or when they're young, you know, they, like we were talking about earlier with, with, a, with an athlete being weak, I mean, kids are weak, you know, they're young. And so it, it makes perfect sense to teach them basic strength training, you know, and help them to learn how to squat, how to deadlift, how to, uh, you know, because, I mean, deadlifting is just hip hinging. It's, it's the pattern that we use to pick things up off of the ground. You know, that's all it is. It's not like this. It's not like everybody's trying to be a power lifter. You're just getting strong enough to not blow your back out when you bend over to pick up a bag of dog food, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, or pick up your kid or whatever. And that's, that is a foundational, it's a functional movement that we are going to make for the entire time that we're alive. And so, you know, to be afraid to load them gently, I'm not talking about taking an eight year old and doing one rep maxes with their eyeballs and veins popping out, you know, but like to, to be scared to teach them how to move like that is just, it's insane, you know? And plus on top of that, I mean, we, the whole growth plate stunt your growth thing, was blown out of the water like 15 years ago, you know, was completely destroyed. So, you know, there, there is no truth whatsoever to kids being like stunning their growth when they lift. It's just not happening, you know? And so, uh, there's, there's no need worrying about that. And, uh, you know, you, you might as well get started on the foundation. I promise you that kid will perform better just being more stable you know, and, uh, and they're, 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 it's a quality of life issue as well. I mean, you know, they're going to be stronger. They're going to, uh, perform better. They're going to be more confident. There's just a million different reasons to go ahead and get started, you know, with pull-ups, chin-ups, 
push-ups, you know, and, and all of the basic strength training type things and core bracing and all the stuff they can learn. There's just, you know, it's the, the benefits are almost endless for it. Exactly. It's just uh, getting those movements down at a young age and, like you said, just creating that foundation and uh, stabilizing, you know, your joints, ligaments, and muscles and all that good stuff. Uh, so I have one last uh, two-part question for you. Uh, for people that aren't in your area – do you offer remote training for them? And then, uh, you know, for guys that, that maybe aren't in your area or, or can't do, uh, you know, remote training, could you give some advice when it comes to building your own workouts and how to screen your own deficiencies? Yeah, so if you are, we do have remote athletes and we train them all over, uh, basically do it through Google Docs and Google Sheets. And um, so we, you know, we have a system for that, and, and it's uh, I'm really happy with it. The way we probably got about 50 or 60 remote athletes, and uh, you know, we can if you want to uh, talk to us about that. You know, we basically all do a program design for you. Um, it's better if you can get in and let me uh, have a look at you, do a performance assessment, you know, and, and go from there. But you know, we'll, each situation is different, so uh, you can hit me up. You know. The easiest way to get me is my email address is michael at eaperformancellc.com. You can hit me up on that email address if you want to talk about that. Um, but for all the guys out there, the JUCO guys and the high school guys that are doing their, their thing on their own and uh, you know having to design their own program, uh, going into it, the, the number one thing that I want to know with every single athlete, and if there is a you know, I always work off bottom lines and best case scenarios. The bottom line is I always want to know is if a mo- if an athlete is hypermobile. Um, and what I mean by that is like, are you that guy that has like double jointed, you know, or like maybe not double jointed, but you're, you're, you definitely aren't stiff, you know, like you, uh, can touch the floor pretty easily. You're, you know, you're, you can take your finger, your index finger and bend it past 90 degrees from your hand, you know, elbows hyperextend, all that stuff. And they're, you can. Some of you will know immediately what I'm talking about. But some of you might be like, eh, I don't really know. But there is a, a, a test you can look. You can Google it, and it's simple. It's five easy, easy te- uh, questions. It's called the Baton Hypermobility Score. You can just Google that. It's I don't remember how to spell. It's kind of odd spelling, but like you just do like Baton the best. Spell it the best you can. Hypermobility score, and it'll it'll pop up. And uh, it's it. The scientific term for it is called congenital laxity, but basically what it means is your joints just, you, they just don't stay, they're not stiff. Like all of your joints kind of wiggle, almost like a loose tooth. And so if you do determine that you are a hypermobile or a sem, even maybe semi-hypermobile, uh, your program, you don't need to be pushed into any like extreme ranges of motion. Uh, no stretching, like you're, you're done stretching if you are a hypermobile athlete because you can actually like cause some pretty severe detriment to your career uh, because your joints already are stretched. You're already loose. Why do you need to stretch? You don't need to stretch them more. You know, you have ranges of motion that are already pretty extreme. And so you don't need to be cranking those things into even more excessive range of motion. You know, what you have to do is start creating stability in those ranges of motion, you know, so like I said earlier, flexibility without stability to control it is useless. And, you know, the, the example I always use for that is like, you know, we train some cheerleaders and, you know, they're all obviously like, you know, 
Gumby. They're so uh, flexible, you know, and I'm, they're all, like, stretching their hips and all that. But, you know, and I'd be like, whoa, 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 all right, so what, what, what's going on here? And basically what it boils down to is they have this opinion that increased flexibility is like this holy grail of sports performance or athletic performance. And I'm like, well, if flexibility, if range of motion, just gained range of motion is what you're after, just go break a bone. You'll pick up all kinds of range of motion. And they'll look at me like, what? And I'm like, I mean, do you not gain more range of motion when you break a bone? Well, yeah. I'm like, well, okay. And it's like, what did you say? And I'm like, okay, that, that's my point. You can't control it. So stretching, all of this static stretching, when you know, with by static stretching, like sitting still and just pulling a joint, pulling, cranking, cranking, all you're doing is creating range of motion that you can't control. And so we don't need that. You know, it's like a rubber band that's stretched out too far. You know, you can't really perform with that. And so uh, if you determine that you are a hypermobile athlete, um, lose the stretching, build in a lot more foam rolling. And I really like, like, single-leg stability drills during your warm-up, you know, some uh, lateral hops where you, you have a little one-second pause when you hit the ground, you know, to really help stick that landing and, you know, things like that. Uh, anything that, that helps to build, anything that's not pulling you into, like, a really flexed position, uh, but more like where you're practicing your balance or your stability, that's going to be the type of stuff that you want to use for your warm-up. Now, if you if you did, if you know for a fact that you're stiff and like, you know, like you uh, you you're one of those people that's like a you know you throw like a two by four with arms, you know, um, you need just your basic mobility. Like, you know, you can look up Mobility Wad, which is Kelly Starrett, the guy that, that wrote the book I was talking about. Um, you know, you can look on our uh, Instagram page or whatever. With you know, there's all kinds of mobility drills and. And dynamic warm-ups, which you've all done, if you play sports, you've done a dynamic warm-up of some sort, you know what I'm talking about, then you just need basically a, a moving warm-up, you know, and that's what you're going to do. Your strength training is not going to look that much different, at, at least if you have it with me. You know, it's not necessarily going to look that much different other than we might determine that maybe, you know, hex bar deadlifts aren't best for you. We'll stick with a sumo or maybe you box water or, you know, if you've had a shoulder injury, we'll change up how you bench press or how you press. But, I mean, that's later on down the road, you know, as far as, uh, you know, just general strength training, it's, there's not going to be a whole lot of difference regardless because you all kind of need the same things. Um, you know, where I really difference dip, do a, there's a lot of difference in how I approach things is in the warm up and the cool down. And then, you know, obviously a throwing program, if there is one, but, uh, you know, it, that figure that out and then, uh, you know, go from there with your, if, if you haven't, if you haven't been in the weight room much, you don't need all of this crazy, like, you don't, it does not have to be, it may get a little boring, but, like, dude, you just need to squat and deadlift twice a week, you know, try to add a, a, a two-and-a-half-pound plate to the bar every week, you know, you can you can roll with five sets of five on for almost everything, and uh, just try to add weight each week, and when you stop being able to do that, that's when you can start getting a little more fancy with your programming, you know, but, like, up until then, just keep adding weight to the bar and, you know, you can mix it up a little bit with, you know, just you got to have some reverse lunges in there with a barbell. You need to have some type of pressing with your upper body and you need to have a ton of rowing, like chin up, like a, a, you know, like a row, like a lawnmower, dumbbell row, and then chin ups. You know, you need to be pulling weight towards you more than you're pushing it away from you. And then, 
that's how you need to build your program. Just have two upper body days and two lower body days each week. Um, you know, and then uh, maybe a recovery day in between, get some sprints, um, you know, and, and kind of go from there. So just don't get too carried away with making it crazy right off the bat. Um, and then if you if you have been lifting and you consider yourself a strong person, then you do need to probably get in with somebody qualified, try to get in touch with me or something, somebody that can help you design things because then that's when you're going to really need to get into your, uh, you know, like your conjugated lifting methods and things like that to where you can continue to make gains because, you know, the more trained you get, the harder it is to make gains. The farther away you are from your ceiling, the easier it is to make gains. Awesome. Good deal. I know that's going to help out a lot of guys that maybe be unsure what to do in the weight room. Just, you know, like you said, just focusing on those uh, those main compound lifts, uh, you know, with your leg. Questions, um, and then the quick fire round, and then we'll be done uh, with this episode. Uh, so this first one comes from Wacko dot underscore two four. Um, he's just asking, what's a good diet to stand by during the off season if you want to get stronger? If you want to get stronger, um, cow. You need to eat a lot of cow. <laughs> um, you, uh, you need to have protein and carbs at every meal. Um, obviously, if you like to get stronger and you're not really necessarily trying to gain body weight, uh, you need to you know, like I said, just stick with the uh, meats and carbs, lots of sweet potatoes. Um, I have some good, I hate cooking, and I have, but I have to. I meal prep every week. Like I said earlier, hit me up on Instagram, and I'll share. I'm an open book. I'll share anything with you. Uh, you know, you've got to, uh, you know, don't get too carried away with, you know, I mean, you can't, you don't need to be eating from a gas station, but like, you know, uh, it's not a big deal if you go get a hamburger, you know, you need bread and all that. Don't, don't, you'll get, you'll be older one of these days and you'll need to watch all that then. Don't do it now, you know. <laughs> uh, so if you want to go get a hamburger, uh, skip the fries and get two hamburgers. You know, if you're going to a fast food, I, I live in the real world, teenagers and old and kids, they, you eat fast food. I think it's gross, but, you know, uh, if you go to McDonald's or something, get two or three hamburgers, don't get french fries, you know. Uh, and then that way you'll get your protein and your carbs, uh, you know, but like if, when you can, try to get three good meals a day and two snacks, you know. Now, if you're a hard gainer and you need to gain 30 pounds, uh, you need to you need to be eating six, seven times a day, you know, and that needs to be about three meals with two or three snacks, you know, pretty good sized snacks, beef jerky and, and peanuts and almonds and, uh, you know, carbohydrates, stuff like that. I, if you're a hard, hard gainer, dude, get a Snickers. I don't care. Like you just got to get, you got to get calories every three hours, uh, somehow or another. You, you just can't be going seven, eight hours without eating. And I know that that sounds absolutely insane to you. And if it, because if it didn't, you wouldn't be a hard gainer. You wouldn't be skinny. So, uh, but you're just going to have to get your mind wrapped around that and set an alarm in your phone and, uh, and get that, just get it taken care of because it, it, you're just, you're not going to gain weight without it. I actually heard Nick Saban say one time, guys, that the air don't have calories. You know, like you got to eat. You got to eat every three hours if you're going to get, if you're going to gain it. So, uh, but other than that, you know, like chicken, I if, if, if you get tired of chicken breasts, get some chicken thighs, you know, just you've got to experiment and find things that you can eat that you will go eat and not get tired of and just stick the course, man, just keep eating. And then the second question from Instagram is from Midnight Moose. I freaking love this kid. You'd love him too. 
he's he is the definition of an absolute grinder freaking oh man i love watching his instagram but he says uh what's a good foundation for a arm care routine a good foundation for an arm care routine obviously begins in the weight room um which it sounds like you're already doing um i personally feel like if uh if i had to take one thing out of our routine and that was the only thing i could use for the rest of my days as training athletes it would be wrist weights i i personally feel like that is that's you know that is the one that i could not live without if i was trying to train our athletes to the best of my ability with one tool um they're very versatile and i love the fact that they you know the when you throw a ball the damage is done at ball release and basically you're you know what is happening is your bones are trying to fly out of place they're trying to get again non-congruent they're trying to get out of place and you have to be strong enough to be able to keep them in place and for the longest time i was actually looking for an implement that i could use that would attach to the person's throwing arm to where they could go through their their literally you know like throw and then but the ball wouldn't come out and it would help them to build the posterior portion of their shoulder, the backside, right? And then, of course, when I saw wrist weights, it was like, duh, you know, it was the per- it was exactly what I was looking for. So uh, I've always been very, you know, biased towards them. But I feel like those are some of the very best. I mean, I'm, I like J-bands and everything, but, I mean, it's not the same. Uh, you know, I would definitely, definitely get invest in some wrist weights. It doesn't have to be the driveline ones. Uh, you can get some $5 or some five-pound ones at Academy or Walmart or whatever and just go through some your wrist weight work. Um, but I would definitely get something that you don't have to use your grip, you know, to rely on it staying on your arm and uh, and start doing that. Uh, the other thing is, uh, is I'm, I'm very much a post-throw recovery person, and uh, I really – I don't feel like they, that you have to complete your post-throw recovery after throwing like seven innings. Uh, or whatever, a, a big pitch count. But as far as when you're training and, and in a throwing scenario when you're training, I'm a very big believer in post-throw recovery, and I rebounders are my go-to for that. Uh, you know, you've got your two-pound ball or five-pound ball or both, and you've got a trampoline, and uh, you're, you know, you are uh, uh, bouncing it up and catching it. You know, you can watch people do that on YouTube if you're not familiar with it. But uh, those and just some straight up upward tosses. I'm a very big believer in reverse throws as well. So any of those, whatever, you know, really what this stuff boils down to when you're trying to build a program for yourself, as far as arm care goes is, is what, what tools do you have that you can implement? You know, you may not have a place to throw a two pound ball to every single day, you know, without busting up the sheetrock in your mom, dad's house or your house or whatever, you know, so obviously, you know, that might be out for you, but you could do your wrist weights. So, uh, you know, it's, it's like, uh, I always tell the guys like, you know, the way I work is off of bottom lines and best case scenarios. And we basically are trying to always strive to get to the best case scenario, knowing that we might not reach it that much. And we're trying to stay as far away from the bottom line as possible, knowing that our butts are going to scrape it every now and then. So, uh, what we you know, I would say your bottom line would be, you know, reverse throws, you know, the foundation, like you were asking, is going to be like reverse throws or the wrist weights, whatever you can implement and do easily each day. And then, you know, basically you can look at the rest of the routine that is, you know, uh, recommended that I recommend. I have it. I'll share it with you. You 
probably are familiar with drive lines. You know, ours is very similar, um, and and I didn't. I don't ever claim to have invented it. I basically took Driveline's program and I and I built it out to where it would work in my gym, to, to where I could implement it. And so, but I'll share you everything we do, and you basically you can kind of pick and choose like a buffet and implement everything that you possibly can from that routine. And there you have your foundation. So uh, that would be my suggestion: is you know, if you can only implement one thing, I would I would either go with probably probably wrist weights and then or reverse throws and if there's a third thing you can get i would get those rebounders in after you after you do your throwing so long toss is a good one too they're all good (laughs) (laughs) sweet good deal so go on to our uh quick fire round real quick i have about eight questions for you um so the first one you walk into the gym uh, what's your personal favorite compound lift that you would go to? If my shoulder's not messed up, it's a barbell snatch. Okay. Uh, what is your heaviest PR to date on any lift? Doesn't have to be a barbell snatch, but just any lift in general. I actually set my new PR for dead for hex bar deadlift last Friday. It's five fifteen. Wow. It's on Instagram, I think. I'm gonna have to I go. On there. I'm gonna have to go find that. It felt it felt a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to come for you this off season then and see if I can oh, touch five fifteen. Yeah, you'll get me. Uh, what music is playing in your gym uh, on a daily basis? This is gonna shock you, but we listen to rap almost exclusively. <laughs> nah, I was definitely not expecting that. Yeah, we uh, it's it's edited, but. I believe in letting the guys kind of have their way, you know. Honestly, I've been on a little bit of like a 2000s rock kick lately. Uh-huh. Uh I like Skillet. I like uh all that, but I'm a big I'm a big uh big money bag yo guy. Uh, <laughs> I love I love Young Jeezy. Uh, I I've always been a rap person since I've listened to rap my entire life. I hid from it when I in my 20s. Then when I hit my 30s, I was like, "You know what? I don't care anymore." And I didn't hide it. So, uh yeah, I, I love rap. I listen to it a lot. Drake is playing a lot. Um, Dude, that's a good one. I could go with some Drake. Yeah, I, but like I said, I do make them make sure that it's edited, you know. But uh, but other than that, yeah, I, I love Rick Ross. Uh, Lil Wayne stuff's good, you know. See, that's uh, that's yeah. that's the kind of rap I like. Drake, Rick Ross, Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this yeah. new oh, yeah. the new school stuff. I can't deal with the new school stuff. Yeah, money bag's good though, man. You need to check. I'll, I'll check. I'll good. check that out. See what it's like. Oh, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, a PG thirteen version of MFK. So this will be marry, uh, date, and then uh, break up with. We'll go with that. But uh, I got the universal DH for you. The pitch clock and robot robot umpires. Okay. Uh. Name the list again. Tell me one more time. Uh, marry, date, and break up with Universal DH, Pitch Clock, Robot Umpires. All right, I'm marrying the Robot Umpires. Oh, really? Yep. I'll marry all of them, honestly. <laughs> uh, I, I'm very, like, dude, tradition, I'm just not much of a traditionalist. <laughs> uh, I like I like rules to get broken. Um I never have had a problem with the DH, and I've just, you know, uh, the shot clock one's pretty stupid, so I'm I'm breaking up with it. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I'll I'll uh, I'll marry the robot umpires and I'll date the uh, the DH, and then the other one was the shot clock between the pitch clock, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll break up with that one. I, I don't really care for that one, but, <laughs> but honestly, I you know I'm an old catcher, so I'm always like, let's go, let's go, let's yeah. go. Like I feel like the catchers do a plenty of good job of that. It, the umpires are the ones that screwing that up anyway. So yeah. uh, umpires are maniacs anyways. So, yeah, they are. Uh, so they I, are. that's why I'm like, good. You know, get them out. Like, we, you know, what's the problem? Why can't we? <laughs> why aren't we just now talking about it? <laughs> so, but, you know, I've always wondered about that. It's kind of like I've never understood why there's not a sensor in the uh, in the pi- in the pylon in football that goes across the goal line and, that, and a sensor in the ball that would tell us when the ball crossed the goal line. Yeah, you know, exactly. Exactly. Simple. Why is that not happening? And then it would eliminate all the problem, you know. But I don't know. But, That's yeah, why- I, I'm. I'm so not a traditionalist, you know, like, uh, I, the, I love it when they, when get people get their panties wadded up over, <laughs> over tradition tradition is stupid anyway. So, uh, you know, tradition makes us do stuff just because we've always done it that way. Exactly. Cause it's I a, don't believe a habit. It. It's not the way to go about it. So, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's good. I, I will definitely, I'll get rid of the shot clock, but I'll marry either one of the other ones. <laughs> I can get behind that. Uh, favorite major league stadium. You don't have to have gone to it. Just your favorite place. Uh, uh, Minute Maid. Really? Oh yeah. Really? That's a cool place, man. The train and. See, to me, to me, it doesn't feel like a baseball stadium. I don't know. It's that that may be the best part about it. I don't know. Maybe because maybe because I've gone there my whole life. I don't know. Probably, probably. You know, our, I'm here in Arkansas, and the Razorbacks go down there and play about every other year. Like yeah. The guys, they love it, you know, and I've had, we've had several guys on the that played for Arkansas, and they're like, man, that place is freaking awesome. Yeah. Know? So, I that's the like the one – I'm not a big traveler. I'm a homebody, but that's like the one stadium I want, I want to go to one of these days. Well, you so. have to let me know whenever you come down here. Oh, I definitely will, no doubt. So, uh, if you could play for anyone in the major leagues, what team would it be? I would, I would play for Houston. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. Like, Get to play in the stadium every day. Yeah, no no question. The way they're doing <laughs> things, the way that they're, you know, pushing the envelope with data and you know, like they're just they're just they're crushing people, you know, like the way and you know, there are there are to this day major league teams that will intercept a, a pay a pair of, of set of weighted balls that you've ordered. You know, they'll 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 intercept your mail. Oh yeah. If you you know, like that's absolutely ridiculous, you know, so uh, for Houston to be doing that, and like I just said, anytime somebody gets their panties wadded up over new things, I'm, I'm on board with the person that's doing the, you know, getting everybody's panties wadded up. So uh, that's what's going on in Houston, and I love it. You know, the, they're turning baseball upside down on its head, and I love watching it. So uh, with all the data collection and everything, you know, there's all kinds of rumors floating around that they've got rap soda or uh, you know. Uh, that they've got uh, edutronics like <laughs> like twenty in each in, in the stadium hidden and you know like they're collecting <laughs> all this you know and it's funny because people accuse them of cheating and all that stuff when really all they're doing is like you know data collection yeah you know? just and crunching they're, numbers they're, they're yeah and they're watching the other people's athletes move the other team's athletes move and then they can you know uh, know when they want to. They they see something they can work with out of another team. You know that's their their trade deadlines are awesome. They do you know they make great moves. Everything is just done at a high level. You know and so it's just really awesome to watch. Last one, if you could go back in baseball history to one moment, what would it be? 
to watch to watch it live. Man, that's a good one. Probably Randy Johnson hitting that bird. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. You know, I played I played at that stadium uh, two years ago. That's uh, I played there for Fourth of July. That place is pretty really? sweet. Yep, Keno Ballpark in uh, Tucson, Tucson, Arizona. My mind always goes to like, how is that statistically possible? Yeah, you that's know? insane. That that is like getting hit by lightning, mauled by a bear, winning the lottery, and eaten by a shark all in the same <laughs> ten minutes. And hitting the lottery. Yeah, all in the same ten minutes. Like that's that's impossible. You know. So, uh, other than that, I, I, for some reason, I'm always intrigued with Kirk Gibson's home run, you know, like that was a big deal. That was just really cool to, you know, for him to come out and limp and, uh, you know, hit that bomb in in the world series, you know, but, uh, still, I, I, I think I would want to go see Randy Johnson hit that bird. That'd be, that'd be pretty incredible. I can't even imagine yeah. seeing that live. It'd be sick. I've never heard of that one before. That's a first. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Maybe I don't know anything Nolan did too. You know when he beat up Robin Ventura. <laughs> so there's a cool story behind that. You know that Robin didn't want to go out there. You know, like that's uh, that's that's a you know he had just been traded that day, like within like a day or two before that, and there had been like a clubhouse agreement that the next person he pitched upstairs or inside was going to go charge the mound. Well, Robin had just been traded to that club. You know. He didn't want to go out there. That's why he was kind of half-heartedly doing it because he had just gotten there. He just learned about the rule before the game, and uh, so that's why. He, not that he could have beat his. Not that he could have taken Nolan. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? He had no you chance, wanna, regardless. You don't want to fight Nolan, and you don't. You know, like you're really not interested in fighting him in the first place. <laughs> you're really not going to win. So, yeah. you know, all the odds are stacked against you in that. Very that much so. Yeah, and he's old man strong. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Alrighty, well, I want to give you a chance to uh, tell everyone where they can find you on social media, uh, where they can get the remote training, and then also about your book. Just whatever you want to plug, and uh, then we'll be done. Alright, man, well, uh, I'm pretty active on uh, on Twitter. We are uh, at EA Performance underscore. Uh, then on uh, Instagram, it is uh, it is uh, what am I? EA Performance LLC on Instagram. We also have a uh, Facebook page that's Elite Athletic Performance LLC. And uh, those are the ones we're most active on. And just you can hit our website up, uh, www.eaperformancellc.com. And there is a place to email if you're interested in remote training or anything like that. If you have questions, I don't I don't mind you DMing or, or anything on Twitter or Instagram. Those are is about as easy a place to get me. Every now and then I miss the DMs on Instagram, so uh, don't give up on me if you hit me on there. If it's somebody that I don't follow, you know, it doesn't send it the same way. So I I somehow or another miss those. But uh, you know, just just hit me up on one of those Twitter or Instagram if you have any questions you want to talk about you know, nutrition or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I'll share whatever I can with you. You know, nope, I don't mind at all. I'm kind of an open book. So, and then if you do want to, uh, I'm, I've been working on a second book for a while now. Um, but the building construction, this place got kind of set that aside, set that back. But, uh, I did publish, uh, my first book in 2017. Um, they call it's called, uh, your student athlete 
must-dos. Should-dos, must-dos, and don'ts. I always get those mixed up, but it's available on Amazon. You can just search my name and, like, student-athlete, and it'll pop up. So you can check those that one out if you want to. It's uh, it's not War and, War and Peace, but uh, the second one will be better if I can ever finish it. But it's pretty good. There's a lot of good <laughs> basic information in there. So Sweet. Sweet. Good deal. I'll, put, I'll be sure to link all that. Okay. Um, into the description box so people will be able to find you very easily and uh, other than that though I appreciate you coming on the podcast today appreciate it man I appreciate, I, I appreciate it a lot appreciate you having me on yes sir I had a good time right. and that's the end of part two of my conversation with Michael Richards of Elite Athletic Performance LLC I hope you guys enjoyed that episode I know it was a little something different from what we've done in the past uh, typically having players on um, I'm going to be doing this periodically from time to time too, getting uh, people from different aspects of the industry on the show. Um, so, you know, I appreciate Michael coming on. I appreciate him giving some insight into strength training, what goes in to the madness behind it and setting up a program and just the imp- overall importance of you've, you guys just getting in the gym to further maximize your career, maximize your abilities. Uh, this was a great episode lot of knowledge, and I really hope you guys are able to take something from it. But for now, thank you guys for getting dirty with me on the Down in the Dirt podcast. I will see you guys next week. Good job.